Holy Jesus, we know that you are present among your people. We're here to worship you, to, to give thanks, but also to reach out to you, Lord, in hope and in faith, because we know that you can do all things. And so we turn to you, Lord. We turn to you in our need, our need for forgiveness and strength and patience for endurance. Lord, we pray for that. We, we need your power to endure. Lord, we pray that, that you would draw us closer to yourself. Draw us closer to yourself. That's our heart's desire. Lord, we yearn to know you even now as we will know you one day. We want to know you, Lord, and we pray that you would Open our eyes to see you. Open our hearts to sense your presence. And Lord, for any here this morning that find their faith wavering, who have reached the end of hope, or so they think, may you fill them with new strength, spiritual vitality, life, Lord, that they might go forward in faith and hope. We pray it, Lord not only for everyone in this room, for all also who are watching online. God, may you right now, as they pray, as they look to you, may you touch them. We thank you and we praise you. Amen. Amen. Jesus is present. Sometimes people don't understand that. When they think about going to church, they don't understand that when we come to church, and we call on God, God is present with us. That's why anything can happen. Anything can happen. Lives can change. Every Sunday, I can't tell you how much that's in my mind. I'm so cognizant of that. I'm not the only one, but I can just speak for myself. Every week, I'm praying, God, do a powerful work in the lives of those who come looking for you this morning. And I've prayed that this morning. Others have prayed the same. God can change your life today. He really can. You simply have to look to God. He's not just a concept. God is not just some idea. Jesus is not just a historical figure. God is real. God is real. Why in the world would God's people sing as we have sung this morning if God is not real and God is with us and God is with you if you'll simply turn to him this morning? Amen. In John chapter 15, and you, if you've been in an early hour life group, have already been in this chapter, John chapter 15, Jesus says, some of the most encouraging, inspiring, even astonishing words that any human being has ever spoken. I want to focus in on verse 16, but we're going to back up to verse 13 and read to give a bit broader context. Listen to what he says there. He says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. 
Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. It's that verse 16 that I said I want to focus on. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. But I wanted to back up to verse 13 because there Jesus sets the context really by talking about the relationship he has with his disciples. It's a surprising relationship. He is Lord and they are servants, but he says, I'm not calling you servants anymore. The Greek is doulos. It means quite literally slave. Slaves are to obey their masters, their lords. They had to do everything they are commanded. And Jesus says to his disciples, you are to obey my commandments, but I'm not calling you slaves because slaves don't understand the mind and heart of their master. They're told what to do and they do it. They don't need to understand. But he says, that's not you. That's not you. I have revealed to you what the Father has shown me. And I have, I have shared that with you. And implied in this statement is that they have received it. And now they share the Lord's ideals and his purpose. Their hearts are aligned with his hearts. And so he says, I don't call you slaves. I call you friends. Philos in Greek. It comes from phileo, love. He says, I'm calling you loved ones. Or you might say, beloved friends, because you understand my heart and you know my mind. So yes, they are to obey, but they are to obey as friends. And that's, that's distinctive in Christianity. We're going to talk a little more about what God has called us to. God hasn't called us to serve him as slaves. It's interesting. The apostle Paul in his letters often speaks of himself as a doulos, as a slave, but then in two places, he says, you're no longer slaves, you're sons, meaning the heirs of God, okay? So in one sense, we remain slaves. We're to do everything that the Lord commands. But in another sense, it's not like we're slaves at all. Now we are beloved friends. God takes us into his confidence. He explains to us what he is about, what he is doing, and he invites us to participate, not out of fear, but out of an affinity of spirit. That is, our hearts so aligned with God's and, of course, with the Lord Jesus Christ that we follow his ways. You might put it this way. It's not like there's a command external to us that's compelling us to do God's will. It's that the law has been written in our hearts by the grace of God. And now from our hearts, willingly, we obey the commands of the Lord. And so Jesus says, I don't call you slaves, I call you friends. And then he says something that is so deeply encouraging and it should encourage every single one of us here. Every single one of us who's seeking to follow Jesus Christ, Jesus says to them, you did not choose me, I chose you. 
In Greek, it's actually emphatic. He's saying, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Now, you might think, well, that doesn't sound so encouraging. That sounds like he's elevating himself. You didn't choose me, I chose you, I'm the authority. Well, he certainly is the authority. But it is an encouraging word because turn it around. What would it mean if Jesus said, I didn't choose you, you chose me? What would that mean? So like if you're a professor and you have people in your class and they don't like the way you've designed the class, the students complain about your syllabus. No, that's never happened to me. (laughs) So who signed up for the class? I didn't choose you to take this class. You chose this class. This is the class it is. I didn't choose you. You chose me. If Jesus says that, it's like he's pulling back. He's saying, look, you decided to follow me. I'm not committed to you. I'm not invested here. I have no obligations. I didn't choose you. You chose me. So if you don't like it, don't let the door hit you on the way out. I never said that to any students. (laughs) So when Jesus says, you didn't choose me, I chose you, what he's saying is, I am invested. I started this thing. And I decided I wanted you. I chose you. I initiated it. Yes, you chose me, but only in response to my choice, only in response to my initiative. So the Lord is invested. He is committed. And by saying, you didn't choose me, I chose you. He's saying, I'm going to be with you. I am with you. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? The Lord is with you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've chosen to follow Christ. He drew you by his spirit, according to the gospel. He drew you by his spirit. He chose you. That's why you chose him. We love him because he first loved us, it says in 1 John. So he is committed to you. Now, why does he choose us? What what is it we're supposed to be about as disciples of Jesus? And this is where it really gets interesting. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, appointed you to do something. The Greek word for appointed is tithemi, and it means most literally to lay something down or to place something, or it can mean to place something aside or set something aside for a particular purpose, and that's why in many contexts like this one, it means appointed. Jesus said, I have set you aside for a particular purpose. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And when I chose you, I set you aside for a particular purpose. Now, here's what's so interesting is back in verse 14, this is one reason I wanted to read it. Jesus says, no one has greater love than the one who lays down their life for another. To lay down your life there is tithemi, same Greek verb. Jesus is speaking, obviously, about himself, laying down his life for his disciples. And so, Jesus sets aside his life. He puts it aside for them. 
And then with that word ringing in their ears, he then says, now I've set my life aside for you. Now I'm setting your life aside for a particular purpose. You didn't choose me. I chose you and I set you aside. I set you apart. I appointed you to do two things. Number one, I want you to go. It means go out into the world and bear fruit, fruit that will last. That's the first thing that he says. I've appointed you, set you apart, so that as my disciple, you can go out into the world and bear fruit. Now, what is bearing fruit? Well, you know, a lot of discussion about this. If you read commentators on this passage, you'll get lots of different opinions. But I don't think anyone is exactly wrong. I think it's a broad concept. Some people say, well, the fruit here, it's talking about new disciples. You're winning people to Christ because they're being sent out to preach the gospel. Well, certainly, certainly that would be fruit that lasts. But really, anything that's done for a human being for the glory of God lasts. Anything we do in the service of Jesus Christ, that is bearing fruit. Anything we do out of our faith and out of our hope in Jesus Christ, that is bearing fruit. And what the Lord is saying is whatever station in life you find yourself, the Lord chose you and appointed you that right there where you stand, right there where you stand, you are to bear fruit and fruit that lasts. I think you really could sum it up by saying that out of love for Christ and for people, you do good, you minister. But this going aspect can't be forgotten. There's a mission. Every Christian is on mission. Your mission is to do good in the world in the name of Jesus Christ, to extend his blessing, his truth, his salvation. And everything we do in ordinary life needs to be bent toward that purpose. The Lord has chosen us for that purpose. He's appointed us. As he set aside his life on, for us because he loved us, we are his friends, so we are now set aside for others that we might bear fruit in ministering to them. And there's absolutely no one here that's excluded from that. It doesn't matter what your situation in life is. And you might say, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm just who I am. You know, my life is nothing special and I'm nothing special. And so you feel like, well, I can leave that aside. It really doesn't matter. The Lord doesn't care. No, actually, you didn't choose him. He chose you. Now, he chose you. If he chose you and he appointed you, what does that mean? He's invested. He has a purpose. Your life has significance. He gave it significance. Don't throw it away. Serve your Lord. So that's the first thing. I chose you and appointed you that you should go, go out into the world and bear fruit. Be active in doing good in the name of the Lord. Secondly, I've done this so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father might grant you. 
Whatever you ask my name, your prayers might be answered. Now, here, this is interesting because, because what he seems to be linking very closely here is our mission as a Christian to bear fruit and answered prayer. See, what we usually think is, is this, that in order to bear fruit, we must pray. But here it actually appears, there's some, there's some debate among Greek scholars at the exact nuance of meaning, but as I understand it, what he's doing is reversing our expectations. We think we need to pray in order to bear fruit, but here he seems to be suggesting we need to bear fruit in order that our prayers might be answered. Do you see that? Look at it again if you have your Bible. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the NIV says, and so that, but the and is not in the Greek text at all, so I'm not reading it. So that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that, see, you're bearing fruit, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. What we have here is a picture of people who are called by God, who are going into the world, serving Jesus Christ, bearing fruit in good works, witnessing to Christ, touching human needs, and in the process of obeying the Lord's command, they find that whatever they ask of God, God answers and God gives them. There's this fruitfulness in their prayer life because they're not just sitting back thinking about themselves and praying prayers for themselves all the time. They are people who are engaged in following Jesus. They're doing kingdom work, disciples of Jesus, extending the ministry of Jesus. So as Jesus would ask the Father to move, so the Father would move. And now we, in his name, we pray the same. And he works. I wonder how much, how much deadness in prayer is caused by the fact that we are passive rather than going out and bearing fruit, serving God, being on mission, turning our whole lives into service. We're just sitting back. We're thinking about ourselves. That's what this passage doesn't allow. So if you step back and you look at the whole thing, what an encouraging word this is. Because it's a call to obedience, but it's not a call to a slavish obedience. We're not slaves. We're children of God, and we're friends of the Lord Jesus Christ. Philos. We are loved ones of Christ. And we remain in his love. That's a fr phrase from earlier in the chapter. We remain in his love by doing his commands. What was he commanded us to do? He's commanded us to go out into the world and bear fruit, to do whatever our life calls us to, to bend everything to his service and his glory. That's what he's called us to do. And as we do that, we ask him to intervene. Lord, touch this person, help this person. God, give me what I need to do your will in this situation. And we know we'll receive it as we pray in his name for his cause, serving in his kingdom. Do you see that? And no matter how small and insignificant and weak we may seem, what does this passage tell us? We're chosen for this. We're chosen. 
just like we are with all our quirks and our shortcomings, all the experiences that have gone into making us who we are. We didn't choose him. He chose us. And that gives us, that gives us reason to get busy. So I want to ask you to get busy. I want to ask you to pray and, and ask the Lord each day, how, how can he use me? How can he use me? I had someone who said to me, gosh, it's a week or two ago. I was talking to her about an opportunity for ministry, and, and she was praying about it. And she said, you know, really, all my life, I just wake up each day and say, Lord, whatever you have for me, I'm ready. And, and that's how she lived her life. And there's new opportunity. She sees the opportunity. That's what I'm inviting you to do is to pray in that way. And don't be full of unbelief thinking God can't use you. God's chosen you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have not tossed us aside, but you've turned to us. And we know this because you've sent your son, Jesus. We thank you for that. And Lord, we know that you've called us to do more than simply go about our lives, even with the expectation of heaven. You've, you've sent us, Lord, on a mission into the world to bear fruit, to do those things, God, that honor you, that serve your kingdom, to touch human beings. You've called us to this, and we thank you for the honor of being called. And, and we thank you that we don't have to obsess about ourselves, our own weaknesses, our shortcomings, because you are God and you have summoned. And so we answer. Lord, across this room and even those watching online, there are children, your children, who who want more than anything to serve you, and they've, they've held back thinking that, that somehow they're not up to the proper level, that they're not able to serve you. Lord, I pray that this word would change their perspective and that this morning they would commit themselves, Lord, to turning everything in their life to service that you might be glorified, that fruit might be born, Lord, that their prayers might be answered, that their life, Lord, may, may glow with your life. And may you, even now, by your Spirit, for anyone here in this room or watching online who's not yet come to know you as Lord and Savior, hasn't experienced what forgiveness is all about, who hasn't experienced the new birth that changes everything. May they, may they turn to you in faith now, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.